Women as One promotes talent in medicine by bringing the unique talents of women to the forefront. We believe that, as one, women can use their collective voice to change the landscape of medicine. So I'm Dr. Sharon Hayes. I am a non-invasive cardiologist in the Department of Cardiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. I am also wear the hat of the Enterprise and Medical Director for Diversity and Inclusion at Mayo Clinic. I thought about being a doctor from pretty early on. My father was a physician and I was good in math and science and so Back then, if you were good in math and science, you kind of got shunted in that way. I reconsidered other options, but ended up going to college knowing that I was going to be a physician. They just didn't know what kind. So I actually, early and during medical school, I kept looking for specialties that I felt or, you know, way back then thought I could combine with family and, and a career. And certainly cardiology was not one of those that was at the top of my list. However, when I did my internal medicine residency, the cardiology and ICU rotations were the first six months all combined. So very intense, but I loved it. I loved every part of it, including the intensity of it. I spent then the next couple of years of my internal medicine residency wanting to find something that wasn't quite as much work, but that I liked as much, and I didn't. So I came back and circled to cardiology. Another reason that I tried to find something I liked other than cardiology is because my husband was a cardiologist and I thought just from a purely rational standpoint, it would be harder to find employment for two people in the same field, so I should try something different. In the end, because I love cardiology, I said to myself, why should I pick something else just because he got there first? And so I decided to train in cardiology. I'm Angela Maas. I'm a cardiologist since 88, so for 30 years. And I'm a professor of cardiology for women. So I have a chair for female cardiology at the Radboud University Medical Center in Nijmegen, the Netherlands. So it's the first chair of this kind in Holland and perhaps also in Europe. My father was a general practitioner and we had a practice at home. So he was a GP with an office at home. So I saw patients coming in in the basement where his offices were every day. So I can remember my childhood. I know I wanted to be a doctor. It came later, what kind of doctor? I did my internship of college, the last years of college. I did at one of the Caribbean islands at Curaçao in the Antilles. So I went there for the last two years of my study. There were many other doctors who were in the first years of training of cardiology and just by working there in the hospital. And I thought, well, this is a kind of speciality that attracts me because, you know, it's quite fast acting. There were a lot of changes at the time. You know, this was 80, 81. Cardiology was very developing at the time and thrombolysis was new, PCI was just coming up. I thought it was very dynamic and a a very decisive kind of work. And I thought it would suit my character to do that. 
My name is Pamela Douglas. I am a cardiologist, a non-invasive cardiologist at Duke University, where I hold the Ursula Geller Professorship of Research in Cardiovascular Diseases. My normal responsibilities are about two-thirds or three-quarters of my time doing cardiovascular clinical trials and outcomes research, and the remainder is as a non-invasive cardiologist in the echo lab, but also rounding in the intensive care unit and step-down unit. I do not remember when I decided to become a doctor because I think I was quite young. I do remember being told when I was about seven or eight that when I was much younger, I was, had been operating on my stuffed animal. <laughs> so that is a true story. I amputated a leg and I put it on backwards on my favorite stuffed animal. So I think my mom knew that I was going to be doing something. Maybe she thought I would be a surgeon, but at least a physician. Both my parents were interested in science and they strongly encouraged me to go to medical school as opposed to getting a PhD. I really had no patient experience or nobody in my family who was a physician. I'd never really set foot in a hospital before. And I arrived in medical school and hated it. I mean, really hated it, like scan the one ads, kind of hating it. For the first two years, which were preclinical, and then I hit the clinical years. And once I got over the incredible slap in the face of having to spend the night in the hospital, which truth be told, I was completely oblivious that doctors did that, because of course I never saw a doctor in the middle of the night. I found that I loved really sick patients. And seeing uh, patients in cardiogenic shock or septic shock or in the ICU with drips and ventilators was just my cup of tea. And it focused the mind incredibly when you had this person in front of you who depended upon you to survive the next 12 hours. And I thought that was just captivating. Cardiology is rewarding for a number of reasons. One, because of the diversity of what the types of patients we care for, age, gender, and the type of problems that we get to solve. And probably importantly is I've been in this field for decades and every year, almost every month, there's something new in my metaphorical black bag that I have to offer patients. What we have in the future is a really brisk and accelerating pace of technology and innovation that's going to allow us to care for patients in a completely different way than we imagine today. Just like I had no idea that I would have some of the tools today to both treat and diagnose patients when I started in this career. Cardiology is challenging because despite all the technology and the innovation to take care of patients with advanced, difficult to solve cardiovascular health issues, it remains true that 80% of cardiovascular disease could be prevented with lifestyle, with a healthy lifestyle. And we're losing ground in that regard. And so continuing to beat the drum for making healthy choices moving more, eating well. None of those messages are easy to implement for patients or for people. And none of them are nearly as sexy as a new heart valve or some technique to create minimally invasively do something to open an artery. So I think the most challenging part is keeping our eye on the ball on how we can prevent and maintain health in patients with heart disease. I think another really important challenge is that we are saving lives, whether it's by interrupting a myocardial infarction, but then we have an increasing number of individuals who are living with heart disease. And they are not always living well with heart disease. So that is going to be the next challenge 
for us as cardiovascular specialists is either to do better with that life-saving technique so there's less residual disease burden, to prevent it, or to have better techniques. I think the kind of patients I have, I stopped seeing male patients uh, 50 years ago. So since 15 years, I only see female patients. Most of the time, I have an outpatient clinic with second opinions. So my patients come from all over the place in Holland. They have quite difficult problems. They have a microvascular coronary disease or they have female types of acute coronary syndromes like type 2, ACS or coronary artery dissections. I see a lot of high-risk women who had hypertension in pregnancy or even preeclampsia. And I'm also doing now women having had breast cancer treatment with signs of cardiotoxicity. So in fact, I have four groups of patients who come to my outpatient clinic for second opinions. And, you know, the longer I do this kind of work, the better I know I am in this kind of patients. So I help women who got lost on the way. So I also have PhD on those four subjects. So this is preeclampsia, women after preeclampsia, microvascular disease, coronary dissections, and cardiac damage of breast cancer. These are my four subjects. Well, I think the choice I made to treat female patients and the long road we have to make the, the cardiologists also in my country clear that we should have a different look at our female patients. And there's so much knowledge nowadays, you know, large databases, uh, PCI registries. We know that we have to look differently at our female patients. And to get this into practice also in other hospitals is still a great challenge. I considered a number of different specialties, including finishing internal medicine and doing anesthesia and running intensive care units, like surgical intensive care units as an ICU physician. But I decided to do cardiology for a couple of reasons. One, it allowed me to do a lot of different things. I could be a radiologist looking at imaging. I could care for the patient as an outpatient, longitudinal care. I could do the ICU work that I loved. I could also do procedures, which I enjoyed very much, although I ended up not doing a procedural subspecialty. And cardiology, finally, and I think this was the tipping point, I was always interested in academic medicine. Cardiology had more respect for clinician scientists than any other specialty in medicine at that time in the mid-80s. We were nascent as a field with uh, clinical trials and evidence base and so on, but everybody else in medicine wasn't even thinking about that. And I saw that as a place where I could combine my love of science and the passion for patients into a career. I think the challenges being cardiologists are that, you know, we work hard, we play hard. You know, if you don't go full tilt, go home as a cardiologist. And that mentality was invigorating and creates a great esprit de corps. But as we realize about people who have families or get older or have health issues or, or just simply don't want to work that hard but still have a lot to contribute, I think we find that some of that is at our core as cardiologists may be a little bit less functional for us as the profession going forward as we are now well into the era of duty hours, have more and more people 
women and men who don't want to be spending 60 to 80 hours a week at work, but want to be able to have some sort of work-life balance and some sort of perspective on what they do, whether it's early career and family or caring for aging parents or late career, where we're now seeing a lot of interventionalists in their late 50s and 60s not wanting to take STEMI call, but these are our most skilled and experienced physicians and we have to find a place for them. If I could look into the future for women in cardiology, it is my hope and confidence that we will be better represented in the field. Cardiology has so much to offer from a direct patient care standpoint, from an innovation and technology and growth that women should not be underrepresented at all because it's the best place to work in medicine. That said, there are some very real barriers to women being fully included and represented in cardiology. Our long training program can be daunting, particularly at the stage in life when women are often planning families. The very male current representation can make women in cardiology feel like they are onlys. So I dream that there will be no onlys. There won't be anybody who's training and they're the only female cardiovascular trainee. But I don't for a minute believe that this is going to be an easy transition. Well, I hope the cardiology community will be friendlier for women. And then, I mean, the female colleagues on one side, but also friendlier for female patients. So I think both issues are important. And uh, in fact, I work on both issues. So the position of female cardiologists needs improvement. We don't have in Holland one female head of department in cardiology. We never had. So I think it's still a male-dominated society. And what I see for the younger cardiologists that they have problems with the, the culture that we have in cardiology. So it should be more female-friendlier on the side of the professionals, but also for the patients. Oh gosh, if I had a, a crystal ball for 10 years in the future, it would be that we wouldn't be talking about this anymore. It would be all fixed. <laughs> yes, I am hopeful that it can be. I think the last two years with the American College of Cardiology Diversity and Inclusion Initiative has seen really dramatic change and in the organization. Every single committee within ACC must report every year on what they have done on diversity and inclusion. Every single committee appointment or nomination must pass muster with a, a prospectively determined set of diversity and inclusion competencies. And all the leaders are tremendously supportive of this, men and women. And it's just it's getting into the fabric of the organization in, with a speed and completeness that I would not have predicted two years ago. And I think we will start to see change happen over time, right? These things take time. But we will have a much more inclusive ACC, and I think our leaders will begin to see that and start doing that in their home institutions, and it will have ripple uh, going forward.